Hey, good morning, everyone. We've been going through the book of Philippians and uh, we've been discussing overcoming. And, you know, as, as we look at our lives and the things that we face in our lives, I think that the biggest challenge is not necessarily the things that are on the outside that, that we're battling against. The biggest battle that you will ever face in your life is with yourself and how you work through those things. And as we've been going through chapter by chapter, verse by verse in the book of Philippians, we've been looking at the heart of Paul and Paul encouraging uh, this church in Philippi, this, this first church that he started uh, in Europe. Uh, Paul is in prison and he's writing them to encourage them. And, and what I love about this letter, it's not a letter that's necessarily written uh, to correct them, but to encourage them to sustain what God started in them uh, to the day of completion. And how many know the, the, the walk that we walk with the Lord is not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's, it's God wants us to finish well. So how do we finish well in this life when so many obstacles come against us? And the biggest challenge that you're going to have in life is battling with yourself and how you deal with the circumstances in your lives and the battles in your life. And Paul just had this innate ability in, in the depths of his depravity and horrible circumstances um, to look to Christ, to give him joy, to help him through life's battle. And as he writes this letter to the, the church in Philippi, he writes to them just saying, listen, this is how you continue in this. This is how you work through this. And Paul is, you know, at the later, latter stages of his life. And so he's writing with a lot of wisdom and understanding on how to get through life's problems. And the biggest battle you're going to face is with yourself. And so I want to jump right into the word today. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2. We're going to specifically be looking at verses 12 through 18. And um, the Bibles in the back of the seat are, are there for you. If you want to follow along, it's on page 637 in that Bible. And you can follow along with us. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, that's our gift to you. You can take that home with you and, and have it as your own. Uh, but Philippians chapter 2, and let's look at verses 12 through 18. And let's look at what Paul says to uh, encourage them to continue to walk the walk that God started in them, not to give up. And uh, he gives them some tools here on, on what they should be doing so they don't get tripped up. And, and they don't fall and, and they don't get sidetracked from what God originally called them. So um, it, it, I'm reading out of the NIV, but I, I like this, this little section. It says, shining as stars. How many of you just want to shine like a star, right? Okay, so we're going to see how, how do we shine as, as stars? How do, we, how do we allow the world to see that even though we go through difficult circumstances, we can still have joy and we can still shine. It just makes me want to sing that song, This Little Light of Mine. I'm going to let it shine. Okay, so let's look at verse 12 here. It says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but how much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with what? Fear and trembling. Don't give up. Respect what God started in you and just work that out with the best of your ability for God by his grace saved you. Verse 13, for it is God who works in you to will to act according to his good purpose. God is doing all this in you. Now, this is what he says. Here it goes. Are you ready? This is Pastor Mike said a little bit earlier. Here's the hard part. This is what can sidetrack us from, from following through what God started with us. He says this in verse 
14. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Everybody say, ouch. Because we're all in that camp today, including myself. Verse 15. So that you, this is the reason why, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. God, I just pray that you would speak to us to your word today. And God, just help us to just just take that spotlight and peer into our hearts. And help us to realize that we have received such a great salvation. And Lord, help us to not allow the small little things in this world to rob us of the joy that you want to give us each and every day. Even in difficult circumstances. Help us to peer into our hearts to see what what things are in there that are robbing us from serving you with complete gladness and joy as we see in the example of the Apostle Paul. So we thank you for your word. We give it full authority in this place today. And just let's just take this moment out, God. Take a deep breath. Forget about what's going to happen this afternoon or this week or what happened last week. And let us just focus on your voice today and what you would speak to our hearts For we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name, and all God's people said, amen. Okay. How many of you have to admit, just a little bit, let's be honest with ourselves this morning, brutally honest, just you and I here this morning, that you may tend to complain just a little bit. How many would just be so honest? Just How many of you would actually say that you have the gift of complaining? Okay. 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 if that were a spiritual gift, we'd be on fire, wouldn't we? We'd, we'd and and you know sometimes with my kids, I'm, I'm I ask them, you know, I don't know why I do this. I'm a glutton for punishment, but sometimes I'll ask my kids, um, are there any character flaws that you see in me that um, that you know they're older now and they can see it? I can't hide it from them as their dad. I go, is there any character flaws uh, that you tend to see in me that that I need to work on, that I need to see? And probably the, 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 the top two, I'm going to say this, okay, I'm going to be honest with you this morning. One of them is patience. I tend not to be real patient at times. I thought I was the most patient person in the world until I had kids, right? That all changed. And they said, Dad, you tend to complain just a little bit. Okay, they were nice about it, but I'm like, okay, that hurt, but okay. I get, and what's so funny is um, when, when I had to do a message like this, uh, it's interesting how something happens in the week that will test me in this very area. So what happens? It happened yesterday. And, 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 and I know it. I'm sitting there going, okay, God, you got me. You, you, you got me. And so what happened is uh, Wes and I had to go out. We had to run to Home Depot and get some stuff. And, I, and so we were out and we had to carry some heavy things. So, so I brought big Wes with me to, to help carry some things. And um, so I said, Wes, do you want to go, go get a milkshake? He's like, He's like, no, I don't feel like. No, of course. He says, yeah, let's go get him. So I go, let's just go through the drive-thru. I'm not kidding you. We literally were sitting in the drive-thru for 10 minutes. I turned the car off after a while. So I'm, 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 I'm talking into the, the, the speaker. I'm like, hello, 
hello, is there anybody back there? They never answered. So I said, okay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, so I, I, I'm, I'm, mm. Wesley's right there. I know he's sitting in the service today. I went, mm, mm, mm. I want to complain so bad. I go, they must be busy. It's be a busy day. Something must have happened. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Mm, right? So we pull up to the window. Not kidding you. Nobody's coming to the window. Did everybody quit at once? Did everybody leave? I, I don't know. Finally, someone comes to the window. I'm like, mm. So I said, no one uh, got our order at, at the drive-thru. We just want two milkshakes. That, that's all we want. That, that's a, she goes, oh, okay, that, that's fine. I'm sorry about that. Give her the money. Not kidding you. Turn off the car again. I don't know what happened. There's cars way behind us. I think they forgot. One lady comes to the, to the window and goes, um, uh, your order comes out to $14. I said, I already paid. She goes, did you get these three drinks? I said, no, we just, we just want two milkshakes. That's all. Just, I want the mini. And my son's getting the extra gigantic, enormous dinosaur, eight gallons of, of milkshake. That's all we want. She goes, okay. So finally, the original girl comes to the, the window finally after another five minutes. And she goes, Sorry about that. I had to, to make the milkshakes myself. I said, that's, she goes, we're real busy. That's okay. Now, here, here puts here, this, this, this just, oh, God was going to, he's going to test me to the very end now, okay? Because this was the cherry on top. So as she's handing us the drinks, no lie, as she's handing us the drinks, she goes, I made the drinks myself. I'm sorry that my hands are dirty. And she hands us the drink. I already paid. I, I'm just like, God bless you. Thank you. And we drove off. And, and I'm, I was like, oh my goodness. Does, do they do any training in this place, right? Of what not to say. That's like the worst thing you could say at a restaurant. That my hands were dirty and I made this myself, right? Oh, boy, the Lord got me on that one. So I know Wesley's there, and I'm I worked at fast food, okay? So I know, and I'm just like, I felt like going in there and doing training myself with these, with these workers. So I'm, you know, it, complaining, the reason why I say complaining is, is a gift, because it's probably the easiest thing to do, right? We're just, we, we, we are natural complainers. And I think the reason is, is because we live in New York. And not only that, we live in upstate New York, right? And, and, and we, we, we love to complain. We, we just love to complain about the weather, don't we? We're just, we are so good at it, right? We, we love to complain about it. And, And I think what happens is it's, it's embellished in us to complain about the weather because, you know, when we visit other states, more sunnier states, their weather is basically two minutes, right? They get on there and say, it's going to be 70 and sunny for the next two weeks. Have a nice day. That's it. But no, not here. Here we see every day and you look at their long range and you're like, it's going to be 50 degrees next week, right? Or it's going to be snow or it's going to be cold. And it's, it just embellishes that complaint. We like to complain about the weather. Uh, we love to complain about the taxes, Right? We love the highest taxes on gas and property tax. We love that, don't we? We complain about it. Um, so, so if we're honest uh, with ourselves, complaining comes easy. It's not something we have to work at. It's not something we have to go to school for. We're natural complainers, and, and we like to whine. Now, now, 
if, if, the, if, if anyone had any reason to complain, um, it was the Apostle Paul. I mean, if anyone had reason to really complain, it was the Apostle Paul. He was mistreated. He went through so many hardships. Uh, he, the word of God tells us that he had some thorn in his side that he prayed three times for the Lord to remove. Some chronic ailment prayed to the Lord and, and God responded by, I'm not going to heal you, but my grace is going to be sufficient for you. And that in your weakness, you will be strong. He was imprisoned for his faith. Um, not necessarily when you look at his life from the outside, was it a great life? It was really a life of hardship. And here Paul writes this letter to the Philippians and he has so much joy and tells them to continue to run the race and complete and work out your salvation with fear and trembling. As he's sitting in prison, he's not complaining. And so what is at the heart of this section of Philippians? Well, what Paul tells us is, as he's writing this, he says, listen, do everything without complaining or arguing. And, and so how do we do this? We, we know this is right, but it's so easy for us to fall back into this complaining, arguing um, spirit. And so to understand this, we need to go to the, to the root and the heart of, of the problem. What is at the root of complaining? Because when you open up the door of complaining, what's behind the door? Well, it's a mirror reflecting us, right? It's us. We, we've got to put the blame on us. And, and we, have, we have to realize that we have this predisposition to complain. And, and it's easy if we're not careful. And this is what I love about the heart of Paul. Uh, because if we're not careful, we can end up turning that complaining. And it almost, if we're not careful, can almost become a sin against God himself. It, it, it can almost become, God, I'm not grateful for what you've done for me. And, and, and that's where we really just have to protect our heart from because complaining can turn into be having a cynical, critical spirit that can turn into an offense to God if we're not careful. Because if we're not careful, it can be seen as ungratefulness for what God has done for us. So what Paul does is he really words takes his words and uses them very well and saying, listen, you've been given this great salvation. Work it out with fear and trembling. Do nothing without a complaint or arguing because what, what, what this ends up seeing is an ungrateful heart for what God has done for you. And I, Paul has learned this as he's sitting in prison writing um, this letter. And so we have to realize that because of sin, because of the proclivity of my heart to take care of myself, it's easy for us to complain. That's going to be the default. The default is not going to be giving glory to God and thanking him all the time. I've got to work on that, like Paul says. But the proclivity of my heart is always to turn back to complaining. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I was reading some articles on this, and there's a technical term for this. And it's called confirmation bias. And, and what that basically means is this. It was kind of interesting. Let me give you an example of confirmation bias. And this is why I think where sin works in and where complaining comes very easy for us. Let me give an example of this. If, if, if someone invites you to church and, 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 and maybe it's been a long time since you've gone to church, but, but maybe you grew up in a church or maybe you went to church for one time and it just wasn't the greatest experience. It wasn't a good experience for you. And, and, and in your mind, you, you have this bad negative predisposition to church um, maybe at that time they were asking for money or maybe they made you feel guilty. 
Um, you know, and then, and then someone invites you to church years later and you finally go. And, and when you finally get there on that one Sunday that you haven't been forever, but you have this predisposition of how church is and maybe what the pastor's like, or maybe uh, what they talked about that one Sunday. And all of a sudden you finally go. And on that one Sunday that you finally go, um, the message is on giving. And you're like, you're thinking in the back of your mind, I can't believe this. Now, maybe this is the only time all year that this church has talked about giving, but you happen to hit that one Sunday. Now, maybe the message was biblical and it was not some televangelist yelling at you at a white suit. Wasn't that scenario, right? Biblical, but in the back of your mind, because of your confirmation bias, guess how you're going to walk away from that service? All churches are the same, right? That's confirmation bias. And, and, and listen, someone else could have been a visitor on that exact same Sunday, heard the exact same message, but because they were neutral about church, they may have walked away without the same conclusion and actually not offended at all. Have you ever been like that where you've been in a situation, same situation, and someone walks away real offended and you're like, I didn't see that. I didn't get how you saw it. You ever heard that with your spouse where you hear the same thing and then, and then you hear one thing and they hear another and the way you decipher it through your ears and through your brain is completely different from the way the other person deciphers it. Am I getting close? Can I get an amen? Right? What is it? Confirmation bias. There's something, listen, there is something in the back of your mind because of an experience that you've had, you automatically think everybody's the same. And then that situation may confirm it in your mind when another person says, I didn't get that. I don't know what you're talking about. Completely two different ways to view the exact same situations. Now, sociologists have concluded that actually we have gotten worse about complaining over the years. Can you believe that? I, 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 who are these sociologists? I don't know what they're talking about, right? But they actually said, we have gotten worse. Now, there's this interesting study and, um, that they did. And they, they, they said, here's, here, here's one reason why they believe that maybe uh, we've gotten more uh, of a complaining uh, gift of complaining has worked greater in our hearts the more the years have gone on. And they, they, they gave a reason. It was interesting. They believe that one reason is this. Over the years, the family unit has decreased. And so you see smaller families that are more revolved around the life of their children. So it's become more children-centric and not so much parent-centric or parent-centered. And so they gave an example of this, and they said smaller families will tend, this is not, this is not always, okay, so don't get offended, okay? Just remember, confirmation bias, just careful, okay? Um, smaller families will tend to ask their kids what they want for dinner, which can create, if we're not careful, a sense of entitlement, which can thus create an idea that things revolve around my life. Now, larger families, um, they've studied during dinner time. You tend to get what you get, right? Some of you are like, I remember that growing up in that family, right? Here's your porridge. 
They're going to like it. Eat it, right? Um, eat your Brussels sprouts. I don't care if you gag, you're going to eat them, right? Uh, and, and, and so some of you remember that you ate what you served and you liked it, right? Um, and so that, that we've seen that the, 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 the sense of, of, of revolving around or maybe centering on that creates this where I'm looking into my world. And so the world actually revolves around me, which, which, which can create this obviously complaining that why aren't things working out my way? So complaining at its root, if we look at it through the biblical lens, is a serious spiritual problem if we're not careful. And I think that's why Paul brings this up. We didn't get our way. Things didn't go our way. People irritate us. Why, aren't, why are people the way they are? If, if there weren't for people in my life, my life would be great, right? So, so the main issue with complaining, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, is me. Have I lost focus of what's really important? And, and, and I, I begin to think about this for a moment because... I, I, I've always wondered myself why, for the most part, um, missions trips go so well. I, I just wondered about that because you get a group of people, you get them together, you, you've got to, you know, work side by side, um, you know, and, 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 and sometimes not the greatest conditions. You take someone out of their comfort zone and put them in a, a different culture, different ways, uh, different foods, working very hard. And I, and I always thought to myself, why? Why isn't there more complaining that goes on on mission trips? Now, and I began to, to, to think about this. And, and, and this is with teenagers also. With teenagers. And I'm wondering myself, and, and I believe, here's the reason why. Because when we bring people on a trip, this is one thing we tell them. The training that goes on, especially with, with young people, we tell them this. You have to be flexible. When you go on these trips, you, you've got to be flexible. Um, and we share with everybody this, this, we give them the reality of what the trip might be like. And you've got to be flexible because things aren't always going to go smoothly. And so we tell them you have to be flexible. Our, our flights might get delayed. Um, you might not like what you eat. It's, it's going to be hotter than Hades outside, right? It's going to be hot going from February to, to Central America. Um, you might have some stomach issues. Read between the lines, right? Um, you, you, and what we tell them is you are there to serve the missionaries and, and, and whatever they want us to do and how they want us to do it, we want to serve them well. And so we tell everyone, listen, look out for each other. This is not a vacation. It's all about the kids. It's all about that local church. It's all about that missionary. Um, yes, we have, we might have a way of doing something, but we are going to do it their way. And, and they've lived here and they know what's best. And so I think the reason why complaining goes to a minimal on missions trips is this reason. And I think this is the key. Listen, this is so good. I think this is the key that Paul brings out to help them and not just say, hey, do everything, don't do, you know, do everything without complaining, argument. Okay, that's great, but how do I do it? And, and I believe Paul has the answer here. I believe the reason why missions trips go so well is everybody is focused on the same thing. Everybody is focused on the same goal. The goal is to elevate Christ. The goal is to see Christ glorified. The goal is to see people come to Jesus. And so what begins to happen is you can be 
hot and dirty and working in dust. And, and you're like, but you know that there's a goal. And I remember at Panama last year, I mean, we were working in black soot and it was just hot and, and we're helped building this church. And, um, but in the back of our minds, the reason why the team works so well is we knew that we were building a church for the glory of God. And so at the end of the week, when we had the church service in the building that we built and black soot on us and working in the dust and working in the heat, you look back and you go, it was all worth it. Why? Because we're focused on Jesus and building this church so that people could glorify God and see Jesus elevated in this local community. And so the hard work and the dust and the heat, the complaining went to a middle because we were focused on doing it for who? Not me. Right? Because if it was for me, I would have complained the whole week, right? It, it, but it's for Christ. So the complaining goes to a minimum because we're doing it for him. And this is what Paul does. He says, focus on the right thing. And, and, and so if you're taking notes, just write this down. Complaining ceases when our vision is clear. Complaining ceases when our vision is clear. So let me explain this. Paul had a clear vision of what he was to do and where he was going that helped him not focus on himself and his difficult situation, which would create a complaining spirit within him. Paul had a clear vision of who he was and what his purpose was. Complaining ceases when our vision is clear. And here's what Paul realized. Are you right? This isn't, this isn't rocket science here, but here's what Paul realized. Paul realized is, is I am here for God and God is not necessarily here for me. I am here for God. On a missions trip, we are not here for ourselves. We are here to serve. Complaining ceases because our vision and our focus is clear. Good preaching right there, right? Paul got it. And so I think when we begin to complain, our vision is unclear. We forgot. We're forgetting why we're here, what our purpose is. Because what happens is the world starts to revolve around Bard and Gerace. And the minute the world revolves around Bard and Gerace, I begin to complain, right? Because I lose my focus on my purpose and why I'm serving Christ. Paul realized that I am not here for myself. I am here for God. So what this does is it takes away from my sense of entitlement that I deserve certain things from God and that things should necessarily go my way. And so what, what caused Paul to remain positive in such a difficult situation and not allow a complaining spirit to take over his life? And I just want to give you two things here and then we're just going to, we're going to jump into communion and just take communion in a whole different way today, hopefully. I want to look at two things here. Because Paul had a correct understanding of two things that kept him from, from focusing and, and, and not having a, a, a complaining spirit. And so here, here we go. This is, this is what's going to free us from grumbling and complaining and arguing. Remember, complaining ceases when my vision is clear. Number one, here's what Paul got. Here's what he understood. Paul had a correct understanding of his life. Paul had a correct understanding of his life. Paul had the right focus about his life. Paul understood that he was not the center of it. And when we're the center of our lives, we lose focus. And when things don't go our way, we get agitated. So we must understand one thing. Are you ready? Life 
isn't fair. It's just not fair, right? So there's going to be some times that you're going to be sitting in a drive-thru for 10 minutes and the other, and that this drive-thru had two drive-in windows. Four people passed by me as I'm sitting at the one drive-thru. And I'm like, this is not fair. Why, why are they going ahead of me? I was there before them, right? It's going down right here. I'm getting out of the car. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take my milkshake. I'm going to run, right? See, the problem is when we think life isn't fair, life begins to revolve around me. Paul realized that life isn't fair. Things aren't always going to work out. Someone is always going to do something better than you. And, 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 and so we've got to break that comparison, like comparing my life against other people. And why do they have this and I don't? And this, listen, life isn't fair. The moment you start comparing is the moment you lose focus. And so Paul had a correct understanding of his life. I love the commercial where this young boy wins this championship with his team. And they're all given a trophy after they win the championship. And the little boy receives his trophy. And on the, on the plaque, on the trophy, it reads, um, uh, it just simply reads, um, participation award. Like everybody gets the same one, even if you won the championship. So I love what the dad does. The dad rips that off, takes a Sharpie, and writes in champions. I love that. He says, you're the champion. I mean, it, it, we think that everybody has to. There's, how many know there are winners and sometimes there are losers? When I was a kid, you had first, second, and third. There wasn't this participation award where everybody gets the same thing. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. And I think if, if we're not careful, right? If we're not careful, right? We we. we Instill this idea into our kids. It's okay. Sometimes you're going to lose. That's okay. Sometimes you're going to win. But see, when life begins to revolve around ourselves, this is the mentality that we instill into ourselves. You see, what Paul does is he says in chapter 1, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. That's my focus. To live, we have this wonderful opportunity to serve Christ. And to die, we leave the hardships of this world and we're united with Christ. Paul says, either way, I win. Either way, it's, it's a win-win for me. Paul understood that the focus was not seeking his own comfort or his own fame, but it was all about Christ and his kingdom. Paul knew that complaining would offend the heart of God, would ultimately offend God, and, and, and cause him to have this ungrateful attitude. He didn't get caught up in the game of fairness. He, would have, he could have easily gone there and said, why am I in prison? Why has this happened to me? But Jesus gave us the right focus in the way we should see this world in John 16, 33, when he says, I've told you all these things so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, I've overcome the world. See, Jesus painted the right picture for us in this world. There's going to be tribulations. There's going to be sorrows. But put your hope in Christ because he's overcome the world. According to Jesus' words, where do you find peace? You can only find it in him. Jesus paints this true picture of us of what this world is. It will be unfair at times. It will be hard. There will be sorrows. However, I have overcome those things for you. Paul understood this. He didn't have an unrealistic view of this world. He knew his peace and joy didn't depend on, On what happened in this world, his security was in Christ who overcame the world for him. Paul had a correct understanding of his purpose in this world, and it was to serve Christ. 
And when that was his focus, it wasn't focused on him, but it was focused on Christ. So no matter what he went through, he could still give God the glory because he knew this place was not ultimately his home. His purpose was to glorify God in his heart, in his life, that others would know him and see who Jesus truly was. He had a correct understanding of his life. And secondly, here's the thing that's key, because I think this is a reason why we complain, because we're looking for things in this world to give us hope and substance and um, security, and it doesn't. And so when we look for things in this world to give us substance and security, um, they're going to let us down. And when they let us down, we begin to complain and argue and grumble. See, Paul, Paul didn't allow the things of this world to get attached to his heart. And here's the reason why. The second thing is because Paul had a correct understanding of his future. When you have a correct understanding of your future, you'll have a, a clear focus and complaining will begin to cease in your life. And so what Paul says here in chapter 2, Paul didn't have any regrets. And what he says to the Philippian church is, he says, he says, I want you to live a blameless and pure life. He wanted their lives to make a difference, standing out in a dark world, shining as stars, and never letting go of what Christ has done for them. And so Paul talks about this future day, this day in Christ, that, that when he stands before God and gives an account for the things that he's done for the Lord, he's not going to have any regrets. See, Paul was actually looking forward to this day that he would give an account for his life. Paul wanted to rejoice on that day knowing the investment he made in their lives was not done in vain. And so what Paul says is, he says, I did not run in vain. And here's... Here's the word picture that Paul is trying to describe. It's a picture of a runner in a stadium who, who, who ran a race, yet he was disqualified without knowing, and thus he ran for nothing. It's like someone running a race or is in a competition, and they're disqualified at the beginning, but they don't know it, and they run the whole race. Can you imagine running a marathon, and you were disqualified in the, in the, in the, at the beginning, and you ran the whole marathon, and you get to the end, and you won the marathon, and it said, oh, by the way, we forgot to tell you, you were disqualified right at the very beginning. Right? And you're thinking, I just ran that race for nothing. It meant nothing for me to run this whole race. Paul said, I did not run in vain. Actually, I'm looking forward to the future for how I invested in you and what Christ did in your life. And I'm going to be thankful for that. So uh, listen, listen, listen. As he is, this is amazing. As he's sitting in chains in prison, what is he thinking about? He's thinking about the future. His vision is clear. He's thinking about the future and the things that were done in Jesus' name. And that gave him joy because he says, I didn't run this for vain. So as I'm sitting in prison, this may not be a good situation. Um, no one likes to be in prison. Uh, this isn't good. I, I'm in prison because of my faith in Christ. But what gives me hope is I'm looking to the future knowing that all this was for naught. That the things I went through for, for Jesus' name was not done in vain. And this gave him hope so he didn't have to complain because he was looking towards the future of what God was doing in their heart. I tell you what, that's a, that's a different perspective to look at things. You see, the problem with our heart and the proclivity of our heart is to look at the here and now. And, and we, we all live in this... Um, instantaneous society where it's, it's instant gratification that, that everything has to gratify I me mean, here and now and quick and fast and easy. 
And Paul says, listen, I'm enduring for Jesus' name. I'm not complaining about it, but I know, I know that in the future, I know that I didn't do this in vain, that I have no regrets, that, that what I'm enduring now, I don't have any regrets because I know what God is doing in your heart in the Philippian church and the Philippian believers that I'm going to look back on that day of Christ when I stand before him and have to give an account for my life, I'm going to have no regrets. And that's what gives me joy and peace to continue to run the race that God has called me to run. Paul had this confidence that his running was not in vain. You see, the more we spend in complaining and in comparison to one another, it robs us of the joy that God desires to give us. You see, how much time do we spend complaining and what difference is it really going to make in comparison to eternity? And so Paul, instead of complaining about his situation, he was more concerned about the people he was ministering to. It was all about focus. Look at God and look at what God is doing. He was thankful for what God was doing and he knew of where he was going and that heaven would be his reward and that the people that were one to Christ is going to give him the thing that's going to keep him going even while he's in chains. And so Paul said, even if I lose my life in Christ, I will rejoice. Lives were changed in Philippi for Christ and it was all for his glory. And so here, when we tend to see a complaining spirit grip our heart, just get an eternal perspective of life and get, get an eternal perspective. Put, put, it, put it all into perspective by saying, God, why am I here? And, and am I focused on you? And I understand what my purpose is. And it's not about me. It's not about everything revolving around me. And then is my focus on eternity and what you're doing for eternal purposes? And, and I think some of the things of this world and the things we can about will kind of fade away because they're going to lose their impact on your life because at the end of the day, how many of you know it's really not that big of a deal, right? Two, three days later, you look back and, and you say, man, I spent so much time complaining about that and that really wasn't that big of a deal, right? Put things into perspective. When, you're, when your vision is clear, see, uh, complaining will cease. What is your vision today? And I think that's why... I love taking communion because what it does is it recalibrates us. It recalibrates us to what's most important. And all of us have issues in our lives and elements in our lives and the things that we're going through. And I'm not trying to minimize the things that we go through in our lives. I'm not trying to minimize um, the hardships in our lives. But Paul understood that even in our hardships, even in our tribulation, we can find peace in Christ. That Jesus overcame it for us. That heaven awaits for those who have put their hope in Christ. And that we're not running this race in vain. That it's not for naught. That it's not meaningless. That there's a purpose for the things that we go through. And the more I take my eyes off myself and put them on Christ, the more I realize how true that is. And Paul understood that. And so Paul says to the Philippians, Watch your heart, watch your life. Do everything. He didn't say some things. He said do everything without complaining and arguing. And realize what a great salvation that you have received. Realize that your purpose here on earth is to be shining stars for Jesus Christ. That you can shine through your ailments. That you can shine 
through your tribulations, that even in those hardships, you can still allow Christ to be glorified in your life so others can see who Jesus is and where your hope lies. And when we come to communion, it, it recalibrates our hearts to realize, because Jesus even said, he goes, whenever you do this, and he want, this, is one, this is one of the things that, that, that we do that we're supposed to honor, that we're supposed to do it um, annually, that we're supposed to uh, recognize what Jesus has done for us. And so Jesus says, whenever you, you do this, do this in remembrance of me and what I did for you. And so what it does is it recalibrates us and it puts our focus back on who? Back on Jesus. And what he did. And then what it does is, so, and so what Paul even says, he says, listen, examine your hearts. Before you take communion, just examine your hearts. Because if there's anything that's offensive to God, that you need to examine your heart, recalibrate your heart once again, and lay those things before me and remember what Jesus Christ did for us. It's, isn't it hard to stand at the cross and have a complaining spirit? Those two don't gel, do they? You can't be grateful and complain at the same time. And so what, what communion does is it allows us to refocus again that Jesus, you ultimately were our sacrifice, that you gave your life for us, that without your sacrifice, the penalty of, of my sin and rebellion against God could never be paid. And Jesus, you did this all for me that you could reconcile our relationship back to a holy God, that God's judgment would no, no longer be placed towards me, that eternal condemnation would no longer be held over my head, that the gift of salvation is received to those who put their faith in Christ. And Jesus was our substitute. He did that for us. And so this is, this is one of the things that we're required to do as believers is, is take communion so that we can remember and look forward to what, what, uh, Christ's return. So as we take communion today, I, I, um, I just want us to, just to look into our hearts, allow the Holy Spirit just to examine your heart today. And um, before we take the, the sacraments today, that, that we would just say, God, um, you know, look into my heart. Look into what um, maybe some of the things that have agitated me or I'm complaining about. And let me refocus again on why I'm here and what's the purpose of my life. And I guarantee complaining will cease. And gratitude and joy will fill your heart again for what Christ has done for us. Communion is a joyous occasion because we're remembering the great sacrifice that Jesus paid for us and that we celebrate that our sins have been forgiven. But let's inspect our hearts. Let's make them right. Communion is open to all who have come to know Jesus Christ as, as their Lord and Savior. So as we pray, you can do that. And by all means, you're welcome to take communion with us as a family and rejoice in what Jesus Christ has done for us. So let's bow our hearts and let's pray before we take communion and then Worship team is going to come and lead us in worship and, and, and we'll take communion together at the end as a family of God. So Lord, we just come before you. And God, I know that every single one of us in the room, we, we struggle with this uh, because it's so easy to, to take our eyes off of Jesus and what he did for us. So God, I pray that we would recalibrate our hearts and our lives again to look to you. Forgive us, God. We need your help. Forgive us, God, when we look to our own needs and, and that complaining spirit and arguing just grips our heart. Lord, forgive us of that. Help us to, to always turn back to Jesus and what he did for us. And thank you, Jesus, that you conquered this world for us, that we can find our strength and our peace and our hope in you today, Jesus. And thank you for the words that the Apostle Paul gives us, that 
that, that, that the focus was correct, that the focus of my life is not about me and that the focus of my life should be about the future and help us to live this life without regrets, that we would shine as stars in this dark world. And so, Jesus, we just come before you today. Thank you for what these um, emblems mean. Thank you for your sacrifice. Um, thank you, Jesus, that you died for us in our place. And as we take communion today, we just recognize that today. And we just love you and we thank you. And we just ask these things in Jesus' precious name. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Amen.